Thank you for joining me on episode 24 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I'm Rachel Jenneman, just a regular girl trying to help people know that God has called them to be victors. And have you ever tried so hard to do the right thing that you in turn end up messing everything up? Well, that is part of Jay Julian's divorce story. And though it was a painful process, he is moving forward. If you have found yourself in the same situation, he wants to encourage you to do the same. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast. And today I'm with my friend Jay. Hi, Jay. Glad you're Hello. here, Jay Julian. <laughs> and yeah, I, nice I, to talk to you. Jay, I brought you on today because you've been through something that a lot of people have gone through, a lot of people have faced, and and that is just divorce. I'm just going to get right to it. You know, we we I see so many people that go through this, and nobody wants to. Nobody grows up saying, hey, I hope that happens to me someday. But it is something mm-hmm. that we need to talk about, especially in the church, and we need to minister to those people that have gone through such a painful time. But you and I have known each other for a long time. I don't even know how long we've known each other, maybe like 15 years or something. Your, sure. your little guy, Daniel, actually, yeah. I don't know if you remember, he caught chicken pox for my daughter. She was only a year old at the time. Yeah. And then (laughs) when we first met, she had chicken pox and you and your son caught it. So I apologize 14 years later. No, thank you. It helped. You got it out of the system. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they were sharing in each other's infirmities. They were doing church stuff. It was (laughs) great. Well, we worked together for quite a while in the church and back in the in the 80s and 90s, you were you were a DJ, weren't you? Weren't you raised by a DJ? I was. My dad is still currently a DJ in Boston on WMEX and has a radio show on his uh, like syndicated show and all that as well. So, yes, definitely grew up in the house of a DJ. And I have to say, I've seen pictures of you uh, from the late 80s and 90s, and you pull off the new kids on the block look so well. I just gonna just throw that out there. You got the Jordan you had the Jordan going on, but that was that was in the past. That was BC, right? <laughs> I may have had the Jordan look, but I had the Donnie attitude, I you think. You did, yes, that's true. That's yeah, true because the yeah. Donnie was the vibe that I really was getting when I saw the pictures. But <laughs> Jay, tell me who Jay Julian is. Tell me about yourself. Wow, that's a big question. I think Jay Julian is still growing and learning, to be honest. I'm on an exploration to continually grow. So I think I could say that Jay Julian back in the Donnie New Kids days was one guy. Mm-hmm. Jay Julian coming out of drugs and party life and moving into Christian ministry at Bible school was another guy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um going into full-time ministry was another guy with a wife and kids and now post-divorce working in the secular industry but still following God's call is maybe another guy. Um, But as a whole, there's still things that I know I've been created to do and created to be that have been consistent all along in every stage. But Jay Julian is, I think, still growing and changing and learning. And so, yeah. Yeah. Now, I've watched you over the years and you've taken 
what was incredibly painful and you've turned it into purpose. And and I don't want to glorify pain. I mean, I mean, let's be real. No one wants to have a purposeful story through the pain. We would like to have not, we would, I think all of us would like to have this great purpose and we didn't go through any pain to get there. But I really want you just to take me back and I don't want to put, throw you under the bus. I don't want to throw her under the bus. I don't want to do any of that. I want to be respectful, but I do want your story. Because I think it's going to relate to so many people that are going through what you went through. Yeah, absolutely. So there's many angles to the story, and it could last us two uh, two and a half, three hours, which I don't want to do. But um, (laughs) I can give you the yeah, the short version. Well, let me let me do this. When I was a child, I grew up in the house of a DJ. Mm -hmm. It was the sex, drugs, and rock and roll crazy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But there was also a lot of abuse and abandonment and all kinds of different things when I was young. Mm -hmm. Those things definitely impacted my life. It impacted my mind, my way of looking at the world, my my attachment style, everything. Growing up in that lifestyle, there was also influence from the church. My dad had taken me to a Baptist church when I was a little kid, went to the altar, you know, called on Jesus, got saved, uh, and yet I still lived in a really volatile, wild environment. Mm Mm-hmm. So I went to some summer camps and really committed to the Lord, definitely wanted to follow him with my life. Yet I spent, I don't know, 10 years or so just all out running after the rock and roll lifestyle uh, and basically trying to escape the pain of the past. So we're talking about pain. I think the pain started way before any divorce or any marriage or any of that. Mm -hmm. It started at five years old. It started at three years old. It started with memories and things that, you know, we all go through. So with that, I I went out to Los Angeles to become a rock and roll rapper guy, had record companies looking at me, doing shows and opening up for artists and stuff, just chasing this dream. And I I realize now that, yes, there was a music gift and there was a passion there. Uh, and, And one of the main passions that has been consistent in my life is to help people. Even back then, I wanted to help people with positive messages and things. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. I think I was born to do that. But I was chasing this thing, and I think I was chasing it for affirmation. Mm. I think I was chasing it to prove the words that I had heard and some of the actions that had happened to me wrong, if you will. So if I could be a success, if I could get the attention of other people, if I could somehow hear those words, then I would be okay. And that really drove me for years and years and years. And it drove me at a pace that was really unsustainable and unhealthy. And and I'll get to how this can be dangerous even in ministry and in marriage later. But I was driving hard trying to prove myself and prove those words and actions wrong. So went out to Los Angeles, went through um, uh, the earthquake out there, went through the Rodney King riots out there, saw all kinds of things that were just terrible, and life was really confusing, and I was depressed and angry and everything else. It's interesting, I meet Jesus as a kid in the Baptist church. I go out to L.A. to be a rock and roll star, and Jesus keeps on meeting me over and over and over again. I could not turn right or left without him being there. Mm-hmm. One time I came out of my apartment. I, at the time, I was a weed head. I'm smoking pot. I'm completely messed up. I come out of my apartment and walk down the street about 10 feet, and this African-American lady out of the blue stops me in my tracks and says, excuse me, come here for a minute. I need to talk to you. And I was like, what? So I talked to her. And she says, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and he's been 
searching for you his whole life and he wants you to come back home. And I was like, whoa, you know, just kind of blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of events, I bet you they happened 15 different times mm-hmm. where strangers would stop me in the streets, where different things would happen. So after the riots and after the earthquake, I went back home to Boston where I grew up and had some significant come to Jesus moments where I, I felt like, you know, Jesus was saying, if you love me, you'll follow me, mm-hmm. you'll serve me, and I'll set you free. I'll never forget, um, I started to uh, try to promote Christian concerts and things like that, but I was still struggling with weed and struggling with identity issues and struggling with all these things, but I had this passion to help people get saved, come to know Jesus. So I did this um, a non-alcoholic bar that had been set up in my city and started doing these Jesus nights and stuff. And I was there and a lady came up to me just out of the blue and says, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to tell you that if you would, you know, fast and pray and seek God, he'll set you free and use you to help other people. Well, that blew my mind because at the time I was struggling with trying to stop smoking pot and just get together. I really wanted to serve Jesus. So I fasted and prayed a few days later, and I was completely set free. I immediately got the chance to preach to my friends, to tell them about Jesus, so the Holy Spirit started to use me. Mm -hmm. Well, that quickly led to deliverance from the um, drugs, and I ended up in Bible school. So I go to Bible school in Dallas, Texas, and I'm doing evangelism and worship and just loving God. It was pretty awesome times for sure. While I was there, I met a girl who was also fired up for Jesus, uh, who was doing evangelism and kids' ministries and youth ministries and all these things. We clicked, we hit it off, and just started really, you know, building a relationship. Uh, I graduated Bible school, and we were married, oh, I guess it was four weeks later. In that situation, we launched into ministry for, boy, I guess 15 18 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And all the ministry was really at a high pace. It was revitalizing churches. It was trying to win the lost and church planting and revitalizing youth ministries, building things. And and it was, it was really exciting. Really. I think it was fruitful. A lot of lives were touched and, you know, I was blessed to be in relationship with the people that we got to minister to. But at the same time, our relationship I don't know if it ever really fully clicked because we started the relationship based on ministry mm-hmm. and pace and race. And and I never really knew how much subconscious emotional trauma I had been carrying since childhood that didn't get resolved in Bible school. It didn't get resolved with fasting and prayer and Bible because I was even unaware of those root causes that were, you know, happening in me. So our marriage was, you know, there was a lot of good, uh, but we just were, we were off to the races, straight out of Bible school, straight into ministry and running. Mm -hmm. It was, again, I think a great ministry work, but our personal lives, it, it was some troubles. So when you talk about pain, you know, you can come back from a really exciting, awesome ministry night and come home and it's, you know, not so good. Mm hmm. Um, So after many, many years, um, things definitely weren't, I don't think we were growing closer together in any kind of a real personal, uh, and I'm only speaking from my side, you know, from my experience, I I don't know how she would feel about about this, but Mm -hmm. 
wanting to connect, wanting to do this. And really, I don't think I ever really learned how to fully connect in a, a deep manner. It was a lot in a ministry. You have a lot of public uh, presentation, public speaking, group connection. But when it's one-on-one personal stuff, especially in ministry, you, you're kind of on at all times. And so the hard part is you come home and you're still on. And that's, it's not a very healthy situation. So after many, many years, um, it just got, we started to grow a church. The thing was just really taking off, rapid growth and everything else, hiring on staff and, and really excited because the dreams, the dreams and passions and visions that I had always, always felt were, were going to happen were happening. Mm-hmm. And yet simultaneously, my relationship with my former wife is falling apart. I'm getting stressed and anxious and irritable and all kinds of other things. And, and so it's, it was a pretty wild experience to see great things happening and at the same time, painful things happening. So after a while, it just came to a place where, you know, and I would just admit on, on my behalf, I, I finally started to reach out for counseling because I was having some anxiety attacks and things, the pressures of um, leading a church the pressures of, uh, I mean, remember one month I buried three different people, mm-hmm. um, a, young, a young man who I'd been reaching out to and I had the privilege of marrying. Not, I didn't marry him, but I was able to. <laughs> I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so we did that and then he passed away like six months later and, you know, there's like 300 people. These these people were from like the tattoo parlor and, and, and I had been reaching out to them and just loving on them. And that was just a really tough thing. I was still dealing with the church growth and staffing and all the different things there. The, I had done a wedding. I had done a funeral. I had to have a staff transition all in like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a baby passed away, which was oh, so geez. terrible. I'd never had to experience that before. And in comes about 75 people from this family who all started to come to the church and they're all hurting and I'm trying to minister to them. And at the same time, I'm trying to be a father. I'm trying to be a husband. I'm trying to be a pastor. And I, I just, yeah, I almost had a breakdown, I think. So after a while it was, it was too much. And yeah, and it ended up that I went off to find some counseling. I really wanted to figure out what was going on with me, with the irritability and the anxiety. It was at that time that my former wife decided that when I came home, she wasn't going to continue to engage in it and in the marriage. So it was a very, very confusing, tough period in life. Uh, so that's the painful. Yeah. That's the painful. Now, I will say, and, and I want to say the positive, my daughter, uh, she's 17 now, and she's awesome. She said, just a couple of years ago, she came to me and she said, Dad, you know, the worst thing that could ever happen has also turned out to be the best thing. Hmm. To me, that's the most powerful, I don't know, revelation, realization of the whole thing. Now, why did she say that? Yeah, so I, in the process of going through a separation, a lot of humbling conversations with board members and leaders in, in the denomination I was in, and I had to admit my own things, you know. I had mm-hmm. to come to grips with my own insecurities and my own 
fears and my own, you know, whatever. And I will say if, if anybody out there needs to and they're afraid to try counseling, if you can find a really solid counselor, it could change your life forever. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that pastors are generally great in theological things, but it's still really important to find a counselor who's great with mental health. Mm-hmm. They're trained in it. They're good in it, and mm-hmm. you kind of need it. You need a partnership of faith and counseling, I think. But either way, having have all this stuff go on in the midst of something going really, really well in your in the ministry. And I'd say that if somebody out there is struggling with this, maybe you're doing really well in your work or in your business, but you're struggling in other areas, so you feel that tension. It all does intersect, and sometimes it all comes to a head. Mm-hmm. So I had to, unfortunately, leave the ministry that I felt very called to and, and was actually growing and prospering. So that was just a terrible, confusing time. I felt like I had been launched out into a desert mm. alone. And actually, I can remember kind of having this picture. It felt like I had been like put in a catapult and flung up in the air like a thousand feet and all my clothes ripped off and I'm flailing around with my legs and my feet all over the place screaming and then just hit the ground in a pile of dust at like a hundred miles an hour on my back and now I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. Feeling I had, the picture I had, that's how it felt. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it was like, okay, I am now for the first time no longer running the race a hundred miles an hour. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm in a place where God can now do some surgery. Yeah, because you were you were incredibly broken at that point. Did you feel that, in a sense, that your life was over because now you've you've lost a spouse and part, only part time with the kids, and you've lost your ministry? I mean, mm-hmm. did you did, did you feel that life is over? I've never felt life is over. I could tell you there are times in grief. You know, I've I've never been suicidal. Mm-hmm. But I, I can tell you there were times where grief is so heavy. It's like a wet blanket. You can't think of anything clearly. And I remember sitting in a car at one point so overwhelmed with this heavy grief and sorrow and uh, not knowing how to start over, not knowing. It's still holding on to a, a, a vision that's past and so I can't say that I ever felt life was over, but I definitely knew it wasn't what I expected. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And it's scary. Mm-hmm. And it's completely heartbreaking for anyone who's sep- separated from family and and wanting to come close and figure things out. But Sometimes you have to go a different path and God will lead you in a path where it is more isolated and where the people you least expect are the people that will God will use to help you come back. So I didn't know what life was going to be. I will say at first I struggled. The identity thing is huge. Mm-hmm. I sat there and thought, well, what am I going to do? Who am I? I was I was husband. Mm-hmm. I am I am father. I am pastor. I am leader. I am preacher, right? And all of these terms, I remember having a, a half-hour conversation with God going, well, if I'm not those things, then who the heck am I? Yeah. And that's a terrible place to be. And yet, I, I really came to a place where I realized, wow, 
Jesus has been with me since my earliest memories, and he's with me now. In this, mm-hmm. I, For a time being, I rented a trailer a couple miles away from the family, and I was out there alone a lot. And just processing and praying and seeking God and crying and, you know, evaluating and looking into the scriptures. And he's, you know, thank God he's showing me things. And it was a real time of surgery, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I started realizing, wow, in the end, my identity is only a child of God, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm a father, and I really hold dear to that. I, I love being a dad, mm-hmm. and I love my kids. But that's a, it still kind of falls underneath child of God. Do you think that—I'm so, sorry to interrupt. As a husband and as a father, and even as a pastor, you kind of put that identity above child of God? Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't real. I did not, I shouldn't say you don't like, like I can speak for every, everybody else, but I can mm-hmm. say for myself, those titles give us, um, I think false security. Mm-hmm. They give us a sense of, um, I don't know, value that there is value in all of those things. And some of those things are really helpful to others and for, for me, but Whenever it's not child of God, it gets messed up. Mm-hmm. What was interesting was this. I, I always say that there's a conscious motivation and there's a subconscious motivation. I think this is true for everyone. We have the motivation of, I want to reach people for Jesus. I want to help build this church. I want to develop people, blah, blah, blah. Subconscious motivation, which I was unaware of until later, was prove your dad wrong. Oh, explain that that, to me. Yeah, prove that you are a valuable person. Prove that words that you had heard when you were younger are not true of you. So I, I, as I told you, I had some rejection and abandonment in my life. I love my parents, so I'm not trying to disrespect. You know, it is what it was. Mm -hmm. But um, growing up in the 70s in a broken home where mom was constantly kind of running away and then I didn't know where she was and so I felt like I was not protected. I felt like I wasn't accepted at times. I had heard a lot of words that were negative when I was a kid, actions that were, you know, not good. Who would have known that at 35 and 40 years old I'm still trying to prove those words and actions wrong? Mm. So I think that's what I mean by, well, I don't think it's what I mean by the subconscious motivations are hidden below the surface. I I look at them kind of like they're buried in the dirt. You can see the stuff above the dirt, the actions. You can Now, those things were true. Loving people, loving Jesus, wanting to win souls, wanting to help people. That's all real stuff. Mm-hmm. But the other motivation, which caused me to drive, 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 and want things to be perfect and want things to be godly and make sure that everything is, you know, all the uh, I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed because I need to hear well done, good and faithful because, you know, and the reality is if you've grown up in any kind of abusive situation, it's, it's an interesting thing with parents, how much of an influence they have on us. Uh, and with my dad, he, he at times would be really uh, energetic and engaged. And at other times it would be a totally different story. And it was, you'd never know what it was going to Which be. Which dad you were going to get that day. 
Correct. And so unfortunately, and I don't know for others, but I, I've heard a lot of people who are in leadership and in ministry have those kind of things. They have the, the true motivation, passions and gifts, and then they have the trying to prove it wrong. So like for me, with it was interesting in ministry, I kind of still had in my mind that I can have the affirmation of God, but in any second, if I don't do exactly what he wants, I could get punished or hurt. Well, it's often been said that our parents are a reflection of how we see God. And it's not just the dad, it's the mom, too. So listening to how you grew up, I can see how you saw God that way, for sure. Yeah, if I was to sum it all up, I have a God who can flip on a dime and be overly aggressive mm-hmm. and commanding and scary, mm-hmm. or a God on the other side who will abandon for months at a time and leave you sitting on the front porch wondering if you'll come back. Mm-hmm. So that kind of thing does skew our view of God in a tremendous way. And as we serve him, I think that can be the motivations that we're unaware of. Mm-hmm. I don't want God to go away, and I don't want him to hurt me, and I want to please him. And so then we read the, I think we read the scriptures through those filters. So everybody reads the scriptures through the filters of our own experience as well. Mm-hmm. We, we can read the scripture for the theological stuff. You know, we can read systematic theology books and try to get an understanding of what this means historically, contextually, whatever. But we're still reading it through our own filters of life experience. So, So, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, go. No, I was just going to ask, as you're going through this process then, you've you've lost your spouse, you've lost your kids part-time, you're in this space all alone, you've lost your job that you thought you were going to do the rest of your life. And then looking back now, the struggles that you had with your parents, what was the struggle that you were having with God at this moment? Did you feel that you were that he was ashamed of you or that you failed him? I mean, what is going on between you and Jesus at this point? Yeah, it was a it's so weird to, to think back on it and see the dysfunction and the function that was really good. And it's I think it's it's like life. You, we can have confusion. Oh, mm-hmm. this feels so good. And it feels so bad all at the same time. And what's going on? So it's hard to say. From right now, I can say that my relationship with Jesus is better than it ever has been because it's 100% real, raw, authentic, nothing hidden. You know, well, maybe there is, but not much. Mm-hmm. He knows. He knows my struggles, and I'm now fully convinced he'll never leave us or forsake us, regardless of our performance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what was happening back then was I had a performance situation. I remember verses that would come to mind, you know, that one uh, one day we'll hear, well done, a good, faithful servant. And then you see these things of judgment, you know, if your motivations weren't right, he's going to send yeah. you off with the goats or something. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. I was always concerned I'd be the pastor who somehow didn't preach it right, right didn't lead yes. him right, didn't mm-hmm. build it right. You know, and there so was no that room for error. None. Oh no. And and I'll be that's the the stuff that hurt my family too. Mm-hmm. 
so if you if you have in mind, I need to be a really good pastor and do things exactly as God wants me to do it in the Scripture. And I really need to be a good father and do that the same way. I need to be a good husband and do that the same way. Well, the reality is, like, I, I never need to do that. Mm-hmm. Not like that. I don't need to, you know, try to live up to some standard thing. I just need to be more with people, let them be who they are, let people figure things out for themselves. So, like, the pain brought me to a place of understanding of mot- of what the motivations were, of how my, my view of God was not one of just, dude, you are loved. You could screw up. You could mess up. You could, you know. You could never go to, maybe if I was never in ministry ever again, it would be irrelevant to his passion and love for me that he doesn't hurt us. He doesn't turn on us. He doesn't abandon us. Even when we blow it, even when we screw up, even when we feel far from God, even when we are far from God. Mm-hmm. And so like all of a sudden I started thinking about this prodigal son thing, like in a different light than ever. Yeah. That father loved that kid in everything, mm-hmm. in his screw-ups, his rebellion, in his rejections, in his abuse, all that stuff. The, the son was just terrible. And even his other son was a bully jerk and couldn't get it, didn't understand his heart, but he loved them. Yeah. He loved them, he loved them, he loved them. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you that <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do, what position I hold, yeah. whether I'm a pastor or a, sweet, a street sweeper, he is with me. And I, I actually felt like, wow, I don't, I think in, 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 if you do a good job in ministry, you know, quote unquote, good job, you hear a lot of accolades. Oh, pastor, that was, that was a great sermon. Thanks. You helped me. And you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. But, but when you're out in the desert by yourself with God and all you hear is I am with you. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I didn't have to do anything for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to knock a ball over the fence. You know, I didn't have to hit a home run. I didn't have, I just had to the, the, the be still and know that has been more of my life now. And I think because we hear in the Christian circles, we hear a lot about identity in Christ. And normally mm-hmm. we just give people a bunch of scriptures and we say, okay, this is who God says you are. But, mm-hmm. and I, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, let me know what you think. Those scriptures mm-hmm. meant nothing to me. I understand they're the word of God. That sounds blasphemous. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I knew the scriptures in my head, but I had to know them in my heart to really mm-hmm. fully understand them. And I think an identity in Christ, knowing your identity in Jesus, that is a process. You can't just read a bunch of scriptures and go, okay, I'm good. I mean, there's Absolutely. a process that you have to go through. And then if you had, if someone has the childhood like you did, like I said, if uh, mom and dad are a reflection of what, how you see God, that that's mm-hmm. going to be even more of a process growing up. So, mm-hmm. Let's fast forward. You have been out of the ministry for a long time. How does that feel? I mean, was it the, was it weird the first time you heard the word J instead of Pastor J? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was also, it, it was interesting. I had another little, I have like word, pictures come to my mind, you mm-hmm. know, just illustrations, if you will. And I remember I came out of a counseling session right before 
um, the breakup and the departure of the church, maybe two weeks prior, things are just getting worse and worse and, you know, almost coming to a head and that kind of thing. And I pictured myself as a gerbil on a spinning wheel, running, 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 running. Whether I was doing music or whether I was doing ministry, it was running, 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 trying to succeed, trying to grow, trying to, you know, Mm -hmm. do everything right. And I remember just feeling like, wow, I've been on this thing for so long. I didn't realize how tired and exhausted I was. And so it was interesting because scary, heartbreaking, frustrating, confusing, all of that stuff. I remember going to a beach. Again, I was alone quite a bit for a, a month and a half or two, which is actually in retrospect really good. wasn't good at the time, but it was really good. And I drew a line in the sand. I literally put my foot in the sand and drew the line and said, okay, God, I, I want to keep doing what you've called me to do, but it's obvious that you're calling me out, and I don't know where other than I had this job that was offered to me that I had to accept or that I felt I needed to accept. And it wasn't in ministry at all. Mm -hmm. No, and I'm fighting and I'm wrestling, you know, but God, I don't want to let you down. So some of that fear is still there. Like if I walk out of this, I'm really in trouble, you know, and, but I walked out of it and, and took that step of faith. And I'll tell you, not being called pastor was the coolest, most liberating, freeing, thing I think I'd experienced. I'm just Jay. I'm not anybody's leader, mentor, pastor, provider. You know, I can just, what? I can go in and just be me? Whoa, what is this? And it was pretty, at first, it was very tough, very confusing, very, uh, a lot of anxiety. But as I settled into that, it it did actually shift. Like, I don't think I'd ever want to be called Pastor Jay again, even if I was a pastor. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a title. Mm-hmm. It's not an identity. It's a title. Mm-hmm. And I think what I learned, and this was fascinating, coming out of ministry, I remember being in that trailer I told you about, and some of the people from the church, a couple, came over and just hung out for a little while. I, I all of a sudden realized, because they started to talk to me, now that I wasn't a pastor, they were being more authentic and real than I'd ever seen them in four years of knowing them. Mm. And I was kind of shocked that one lady, this is an example, the one lady's super cool, but she had a nose ring on. And I said, hey, you got a nose ring. That's awesome. When did you get that? You know? And she says, I've had it for four years. I said, what? She said, I had it for four years. I'm like, how come I've never seen it? I mean, she was on teams with us. She was in the church leadership, everything else. There's no way I would ever wear this to church. What? That's what I said. I was stunned. I literally was stunned. And I said, well, Okay, how, why did you feel that way? She said, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be looked at as a sinner. I don't want to be ridiculed. For um, a nose I ring? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess she had come through legalism wow. and spiritual abuse. That's sad. And, yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, and then I, I felt so bad. I'm like, did you ever feel that I would judge you that way? Now, this was mostly what she was dealing with from her past in a religious experience that was probably very legalistic and judgmental. Yeah. And she says, I don't know, but I wasn't willing to chance it with anyone. Aww. And so I now know. that you are you ha- no longer have this title, she feels that now she can be totally. more genuine with you. Yeah, she was more genuine even in the way she spoke. Um, come to find out that, you know, maybe there's a couple French words that she uses here and there. And... <laughs> 
at this point, I'm starting to go, wow, I have been so bent on being right in every way, doing the right things, getting the, you know, getting everything in the right order that I, I lost relationship. Hmm. And people were responding to me in a way, and I didn't realize it, where they wanted to make sure that they did the right things because, oh. you know, well, we all have to do the right thing, quote unquote. Right. And I think that's where I'm at now too, you know, but regardless, one of the coolest things about not being a pastor, although I think people can be a pastor without the title. You can mm-hmm. be a pastor in the world. You can be a pastor at a secular job. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not this definition thing that we, we assign to pastors. Pastoral care, shepherding and loving people happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. I still believe in the local church. I still believe in, um, you know, accountability and all those other things. But wow, have I been able to really genuinely authentically connect with people now like I've never been able to before. So tell me more about that because you're a gifted speaker, you're gifted relationally. I mean, there are a lot of shepherding qualities that you have, but now, okay, you can't do ministry anymore. So how is God using the gifts from then now? Here's the thing on that, at least my view on this. I was removed from a position of lead leader, if you will, right? Pastor, leader. Mm-hmm. But a shepherd, a gift goes with you everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you don't lose your, one, you're not going to lose your identity. You're not going to lose your personality. Hopefully the bad things you'll lose, that stuff can get carved out. And hopefully you'll grow in, in, you know, the gifts of the spirit and gentleness and love and kindness and self-control and all those things through pain. I will say that the pain pushed me into, I think, better places in that regard. But to say I can't pastor or shepherd, wait. So yesterday I'm at work and this little old lady, she's about 90, comes walking in. She's, where's Jay? Where's Jay? I hear her at the front door. And I'm like, hey, and I see her, and she waddles over with her cane and just gives me a giant hug. Mm. And she cries and said, I lost Harold. Her husband? So I know her, and I know Harold. Is Harold her her husband? husband? Okay. And we had sat down, and we're talking in a retail environment. I was able to hear their story months prior. Under, hear their pain, give them some affirmation, give them some biblical encouragement without using chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. And they come back to me every time they mm-hmm. want to talk to Jay. Uh, why? Not because I'm a pastor, not because I'm in a position, not because I have a credential in my pocket, because I care about them, mm-hmm. because I heard them, because I listened to them, I encouraged them, I gave them some scriptural encouragement without using scripture. And now she felt like she wanted to, first she had to get some things, but she also wanted to share with me her loss and looked for a hug, you know, and I gave her a giant hug and her daughter was there and, you know, on the way out, got to hug her again. I've had people come in, one lady came in and she was so upset and mad about something with her, the business, you know, that I'm in and it wasn't me, but I listened and empathized and heard her out. And then I just asked, what else is there? Uh Uh-huh. And she's like, what? I said, there's got to be something more than just what's going on with Verizon. Are you okay? 
you know, weird. Like, this is not stuff you normally would do. And all of a sudden, she just broke down and lost it. Her husband was in the hospital dying, Mm -hmm. and she was trying to take care of business and couldn't handle life. So I got to shepherd a little bit for 10 minutes, 15 minutes there, Yeah, working with coworkers who are going through stuff. And what's so cool is they don't hide it with Christian jargon and scriptures. Now, again, I have no problems with talking words of faith and using scripture, but sometimes I think we do that to hide the fact we have real work to do and real feelings that need to be explored, real pain that needs to be pulled up. And so it's crazy. There are times in this, in this world that we're in where I feel like I'm doing Jesus stuff here outside of the church. I still go to church. I still serve, Mm -hmm. but we're out here on the dusty roads where the woman at the well is hanging. We're out here at the, Dusty Roads, where Matthew, the the mafia tax collector, is hanging. And I've actually literally coached someone before who reached out for coaching. So so to answer your question, you can start new things, think outside the box, try new ways of doing things that use those same gifts, but in different avenues, in different places, with different practices, uh, still knowing that you're making an impact and helping people. Uh, with a different role or a different position. I've had people, um, one guy that I coached, he literally had a past that would be like kind of mafia, mm-hmm. you know, old school, hardcore, you know, did some stuff, and he wanted me to lead him through a better relationship with Jesus and finding forgiveness. And I'm like, this is nuts. He's real with me. He's not hiding things to, to make it so that, you know, he can gain the pastor's approval or something. So, People are real with me. They'll come in, and it's awesome. Like, I'll go in the back room, and someone will just drop, like, 50 F-bombs in a row because they're so frustrated with something. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're wanting me to, you know, speak into it, encourage them, and, and help them. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I miss leading, you know, in an organized setting where you yeah. can set the, you know, the preaching schedules. And, and you can and cast vision and all of that. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I miss that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a gift and a call too that never goes away. It's like it's under the surface. Like, oh, I wish I could do that. But at the same time, I'm doing a lot of that on my own with, you know, YouTube videos and TikTok videos and Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because you said that you you know, you're now a coach and now you have what's called the Life Builders Club. So tell me a little bit about that. You've turned you've turned your pain into purpose, you know, losing almost everything, but yet you didn't sit there and say, well, I'm a victim of my circumstances and I can't do anything about this and I'm going to stay in this painful situation, but no, you moved forward and now you're doing this coaching in this Life Builders Club. So tell me about that. Yeah, awesome. So that's interesting. I was hesitant to even do that for a while. So like in the middle period, whoever's listening to this and you're coming out of a transition, maybe you did lose a family member. Maybe you, you know, you're a widow now. Maybe you're divorced now. Maybe you lost your business. Maybe your kids are far from you. Whatever it may be, that always feels the same for everyone. Totally scary and sorrowful and all of that. But this, it's all, I believe, if we, if we will choose to grow forward, and it's a choice, it's an absolute choice. There are times I want to bury myself in my bed, close the curtains and eat 10 gallons of ice cream and just forget about it. But I, I believe that everybody's 
supposed to take the pain and move into purpose. God uses these things for your good. And we see that and it almost sounds insulting, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best, the worst can be the best. In this, I was hesitant to do anything like that because again, you remember the secondary motivations. I don't want to start a new thing mm-hmm. and get back on that same page mm-hmm. in a different sphere yeah. with another motivation to prove that the last thing didn't define me. You know, so yeah. it's, it's a challenge, and I think it's a, a cognitive awareness of our tendencies. So for me, when I talked to a pastor friend who's a great guy, Chicago pastor. Back in the days in the beginning of this thing, I sat with him broken in Grand Rapids eating food at a mall. And he, I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't think I ever want to do this again. And he said, you'll do it again. But you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll understand. And he said, here's the thing, though. When you re-engage, you need people who know you and you're willing to be authentic with. You need coaches around you who will call things out in compassion who will not, you know, and you need to be authentic with people. Tell them when you're struggling. Tell them when you feel motivations are off. So I have people in my life that I call and talk with and coach because I don't want to go back to that thing of trying to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I just want to try to use the pain and bring forth some peace to other people, give them some ideas, help them. So for me, it's, it's I like your pain to process idea. For me, it's helping people get unstuck and grow forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you are in a place now of stuck, whatever it is that's happened to you. Mm-hmm. As horrible as it may be, but you can grow forward. It is a choice. Mm-hmm. It is always a choice. So with this, I started saying, well, what am I going to do? Because I kind of felt like Jeremiah. There was a time where I didn't want to preach. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be in a church. I'm hurt. I'm bitter. I'm frustrated. I'm scared that I'd get re-hurt. I don't want to repeat patterns. So you get into those kind of feelings. Some people are feeling that if they're going to enter into a remarriage. I don't want to do it again. Never again am I going to put myself in that place. Never again am I going to trust or, you know. Mm -hmm. And I I started realizing I can't say things like never again, I will never. Mm -hmm. I have to say things like, okay, things will be different next time. Yeah. I will be different next time. Mm-hmm. People will be different next time. Yeah. There has to be a next time. I don't know what it looks like, yeah. but I'm going to take steps of faith to walk into it. So right now, I still work in a secular environment, and I know that I'm being used there, and it's a blessing for me as well. At the same time, I started saying, you know, I want to reach out. So Life Builders Club was just a Facebook group I started up to encourage people, mm-hmm. to have them be able to encourage each other, mm-hmm. to be able to drop some positive things on people, some faith things on people to help them, mm-hmm. daily encouragements, things like that. And so that's been going, and it's been really fun to interact and engage and just encourage people. So you can still use your gift. It's just not on a, on a uh, like a pulpit. Yeah. But God can still give you a platform. And even if it's two people, even mm-hmm. if it's one person, that's, a, that's great. It's an honor to do it. I started uh, J. Julian Coaching. And, you know, have some clients that will call and share their life and help me to think through, you know, what they're doing and help me to hear what they're saying and see if I can catch, you know, like limiting belief patterns that they have or whatever. And it's been fantastic to just walk one-on-one with people. You know, so now I just started like the TikTok thing, and that's been surprisingly fun. And I'm, I'm are you a little old to... for TikTok, Jay? Yes, <laughs> totally it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the first videos I did, uh, somebody young, 
So I've been a year too old to do TikTok. And so I got on the video and I said, look, if somebody just told me I'm too old to do TikTok, so guess what I'm going to do? TikTok. I'm going to do more and TikTok now. Challenge accepted. I'm going to TikTok your block. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I went nuts on the TikTok, but all of a sudden I realized, wow. Like I did a, a thing on um, uh, one video recently and I was just shocked. I, I looked and there's like 14,000 people watch this thing. Mm-hmm. And a thousand people commented on it and people are going, thank you for this encouragement. This is really helpful. I'm going through dark times. Now people are reaching out with comments and private messages looking for help and hope. And these people are not in the church. They would never, a lot of them won't even step foot in a church for fear. Yeah. Fear of what could happen, fear of judgment, fear of whatever. Fear of, I have a news and ring, so, what is somebody going to say? Yeah, like, bring your nose ring, bring your tattoo, bring your 18 boyfriends. I don't care, mm-hmm. because I care, you yeah. know? And I think Jesus was that way. He was hanging out, if we look at it now, he definitely, he went to synagogue, but he didn't, He his ministry wasn't based out of synagogue. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the world six out of the seven days. He's in houses. He's at wells. He's at, you know, riverbanks. He's out in the outer parts. He's going to Samaria where everybody hates those folks, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's always been my heart. Evangelism, shepherding people in the hurting, broken places. Uh, I've been there. I'm there still at times. And so I think there's a good connection. And with the world that we're in today, I think the, the doors are wide open for anyone to revitalize their lives with, with the help of the Lord and with the help of counseling and those things, to redirect their lives to something new and um, use the new technologies to try new things. I've seen people who were former pastors who are now helping people with life insurance, and they're just crushing it. Mm-hmm. And they're still pastorally helping people. Yeah. They're just doing it in a different field. Yeah, I know a guy. I want him on the show. He he runs uh, like a convenience store kind of thing, like a market in town. And he's a former pastor, worked at Willow Creek down in Chicago and and. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean I'm out of ministry? No, I'm still doing church right in my store. And I, I think that's how all of us need to be looking at wherever God has called us to is we're ministering to people. Like you said, Jesus was out. He was at the wells. He was uh, with the tax collectors. He was with all of those people. I know a guy, the guy that's done uh, my tattoos. He's a Christian. And I'm like, what a great opportunity that you have here in this tattoo shop loving jesus listening to maverick city music (laughs) and i mean i I just love how god does that where he puts people in these crazy places and that's what he's done with you and even though life did not turn out the way you wanted it to god is still using you in a powerful way and jay i'm so grateful that you shared your story with us and i know that it's going to going to help people it's going to inspire people where can i find you where can i find all of this life builders club stuff yeah sounds good thanks for letting me share this i do hope it helps and just so everybody knows like you never fully arrive mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh, yesterday was a depressing day for me you know mm-hmm. there's challenges there are disappointments there are frustrations all of that ultimately come back to you that jesus loves you and he'll never leave you and he's with you just mm-hmm. keep that in mind 
always, no matter what you did, no matter how bad it was, hold on to the fact that he is, he is, I think what's cool is he's kind of, he, his relationship with us is based on his relationship with himself. You know, mm-hmm. he's holy, he's right, he's everlasting, he's all that. He won't leave you. He's not going to leave you, so hold on. Um, so, in, in, to answer your question, you can find me, if, if you're interested, at Life Builders Club. That's with Jay Julian on Facebook. It's a group. Mm-hmm. It's just got videos and encouragements and stuff like that. So, Life Builders Club with Jay Julian Facebook group. Uh, you can go to jjuliancoaching.com if you're interested in, I can actually call you and give you, you know, just a free chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had three people reach out this week and it didn't go to a coaching thing. That wasn't the goal. They just needed someone to talk with. Mm-hmm. So I'm good with that. I give you 15 minutes, talk to you, hang out with you, pray with you, mm-hmm. encourage you. Some people need that. That's yeah. fine. Uh, and if you feel like you really want someone to help you get unstuck and grow forward, I've got programs and ways to help you to do that mm-hmm. in a coaching environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TikTok thing has been fantastic. So you look at, I think it's at is how you find it, but Jay Julian coaching. Mm-hmm. So I'm posting daily videos there. There's short little videos of encouragement or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start doing some live things on that where you can, you know, whoever wants to join in, will discuss certain topics, you know, how to grieve, how to grow through pain, yeah, that's good. You know, how to deal with breakups, start a new life, midlife or whatever. Yeah. And just encourage people. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll start doing some smaller groups out of that. So there is help. I'm not the only one out there doing this stuff. But I would be honored to help anyone in any way. Okay. They, um, Jay, you also, you're on Instagram too, so they can follow you on Instagram and you post your TikTok videos on Instagram. And then you also have a podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. And that is called the Life Builders Club Podcast, correct? It is. And, uh, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I have really neglected that. So okay. the, there are some good podcasts on there that I had posted, you know, mm-hmm. a few, maybe 10 of them. But there's some value there if you want to check it out. Okay. Any last... I need to, to re engage that. So I'm going to have to talk to the podcast match, Master Rachel. About oh, okay. That yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds good. I love what you're doing. I think you are doing so well. You know what? I, I just want to say this, that I'm so encouraged by you. Because you made a transition, yeah, you know, and, and your husband made a transition, and I am, like, completely blown away by it. I think it's awesome. I'm giving you, like, invisible high fives right now. <laughs> um, having spent hours and hours and months and years talking with you in the office and goofing around, and but getting to know you and knowing your heart and knowing your background and your passions – but also I saw the transition from, you know, office manager to children's pastor to now what you're doing now. That's a big step. A lot of people would feel maybe, I don't know if you did, but feel like guilty. I, sh- I can't leave the ministry. I can't leave the church. I can't leave the children's thing. I can't. You did it and you jumped and now you're influencing a lot of people for good. It is fantastic to see that you did it and I'm psyched for you. Oh, well, I appreciate your encouragement. Thank you. It's funny because... I, I, I left because I felt, honestly, God telling me it was time to go. I knew that God had called me to something specific years ago. And then in 2020, I felt like God was like, okay, it's time to step into that. And for and I never would have guessed radio in a million years. Never would have guessed radio. And there are times when... I, I mean, even in pastoring, you feel as though, am I making a difference? But I think I felt Mm -hmm. that I was making a difference more so back then, because now in radio, you're going, am I doing anything for Jesus? But then when you have Mm. that healthcare worker that's had the most horrible night 
at, at the hospital with everything going on say, you know, I listen to you every morning on my way home from work and I just needed that mm-hmm. bit of encouragement. And you're going, OK, I am doing something mm-hmm. for Jesus. It may not be yes, as cool as a nurse or it may not be as cool as a teacher, you know, whatever. But you just do whatever God puts in front of you. It's exactly what you're doing. You've transition, but you're doing what God has placed in front of you. Use what you have, right? And grow from there. Start small, grow from there. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, do it. You know, that one nurse may have had a life change just from one thing you said. Right. I think the ultimate goal is to try to find acceptance and fulfillment wherever you are. Mm Mm-hmm and enjoy the life that we have and just embrace whatever opportunities are right in front of us. Amen. Amen. See, Amen. you're preaching now. You're you're still preaching. I'm, I can't stop. You can't stop. I don't stop. know how to stop. Yeah. <laughs> There's a TikTok video in that. I can see it now. But anyway, you can find Jay Julian at The Builders Club. You can follow him on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram or join his uh, Facebook group, I mean, and that is The Life Builders Club. So thanks again, Jay. It has been awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for joining Jay Julian and I on that hard conversation. God loves marriage, but we also need to have open conversations with those whose lives did not turn out the way they hoped. Don't forget to download, share, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next week.